For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick with co-host Dan Reese for this week's By the Numbers episode. Dan, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. I'm ready to move on to next week after uh, after a rough one. Yeah, I, uh, I this week couldn't go fast enough, and and uh, you know it's 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 bad. I suppose that you know so much of my mental health is tied up with whether or not the Ravens are winning or not. But on the other hand, I have something to really care about, and uh, you know these are these are good things. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I, uh, just a funny little story about that. <laughs> I told my, I've uh, been talking to my girlfriend about that and with the mental health and she was like, oh, you've been doing a great job of not letting it ruin your day or week, you know, on losses. So I told her right after this loss, I was like, I know I've been good this season, but this today's a different story. <laughs> Too much bad has happened. So yeah, press anyway. it all down into your stomach until it comes out and <laughs> daddy throws the bottle at the referee. <laughs> anyway. Simpsons reference. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We ready to dive in the numbers? Absolutely. All right. I'll, I'll go first. Uh, first number is 17.6%. That's the uh, success rate based off of expected points. So increased expected points uh, for runs by the Ravens running backs in week 13. So just looking at week 13, they were successful on only three out of the 17 runs. Uh, it was the 18-yard run in, by Freeman, the Freeman touchdown, and then another 60-yard run by Freeman. So three out of 17, 17.6%. That's just terrible. The mm-hmm. NFL average is 41% success rate on runs, and the Ravens running backs have averaged 44.8% success rate on runs before uh, uh, week 13. So they were a little bit above um, above the NFL average going into this week, and they were just terrible. That kind of surprises me because, okay, first of all, a little bit of backstory theory here is that expected points for run plays are typically negative across the entire league. 
Correct. Reflecting the fact that the pass is a more valuable uh, weapon than the run is in football. And you run for other reasons. You run to run at the clock. You run to, to control pace in the game, but not necessarily to uh, uh, to maximize your point scoring. Uh, it, when I see that and I see the Ravens running backs had 44.8 success rate before week 13, that does not match up with rush yards over expectation, which have been terrible for the Ravens running backs, particularly for Murray and Freeman this year, who are fourth and 13th worst among all NFL running backs in that category. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I I think it's a lot of it's situational, maybe running on Mm -hmm. on shorter downs and being able to get the first, um, maybe it's uh, decent O-line blocking on runs only. I'm not, I'm not extending it beyond that, but, um, but I'm not really sure that does disconnect, but I, I was sure I was, um, I, I, you know, paid special attention to look only at running backs because Lamar skews a lot of numbers. Otherwise, if, if you look at running plays, but this is just just running backs. So it, it is interesting how those uh, don't quite align. So, OK, and I, see, I, I see your last number here is that they averaged only one point seventy seven yards on 13 first round at a wolf. That's yeah. terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not going to get it done. Less than two yards on on the 13 first down runs. That's that's not a good position to be in. We'll get our grousing about the offense out first with 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 my numbers. For my numbers are 4.3, 3.9, 3.9 and 4.7. Those are the offensive yards per play the last 4 weeks beginning with that Miami game. 4.3, 3.9 against the Bears, 3.9 against whoever the hell they played after that that they also beat and then 4.7 against the Steelers. That is not going to get it done. And I you know the defense has played valiantly these 4 weeks. They they kept them in every single one of these games. Uh, for a long time. Uh, but, you know, I, I think I have to address the passing offense and just say it's not one thing that's wrong. The, off- the tackles are letting them down tremendously. They, they don't have good tackle play, and, and there's not an easy resolution for that. They often get an overload on the outside where they might not be able to block either player. Uh, because they have a weak tackle on that side. Uh, They've not been good about dealing with the wrinkles that go with cover zero looks, whether that means they're rushing everybody or whether that means they're dropping people into simulated pressure. They haven't done well with that. Obviously, a very big part of this is the fact that no other team looks at the running backs and says, we want to make sure you we, you guys don't run on us, despite this success rate thing that I can't make sense of. Um, they, they don't really fear the Ravens running backs in any way, shape or form. They're not taking those extra read steps that would get them into trouble uh, in previous years. And and that has really reduced Lamar's value in terms of improving all other 11 players. And then I think we've also, it would be fair to say that Lamar's in the biggest slump of his career right now and has not been able to connect with receivers the way we'd hope. There could be a lot of effort put into that. Um, but these yards per play numbers are just, they're, they're hideous. Uh, it's, it's frankly, this is a lot like the, Five consecutive uh, no touchdowns games that the Ravens had. It's actually you know twenty straight quarters during two thousand. I look at this and I say, how could they win a game? And they won two games then, and they won two games here. And I'm like, this just doesn't make any sense. But uh, but anyway, uh, they're going to have to figure it out. They've got five games left. Uh, they're they're going they have to play out this season whether they want to or not. And and some fans I think are already pretty much thrown in the towel, even though nobody seems to want this division. Um, and they, they they've got to try and figure it out. Yeah, those are uh, those are pretty rough offensive numbers, and um, you know, like you said, the defense has really held them in for as long as they could. Uh, it's been you know 
even with the Pittsburgh game, they held for quite a long game, quite a long time, played pretty darn well. And, uh, you know, just get kind of <laughs> tired, I guess. Um, and I'm not sure the defense is going to continue or going to be able to continue to do that with, with Marlon out. So mm-hmm. uh, the offense is going to need to switch it around fast. And it's uh, it's pretty amazing to be in this position and have the team be in first place in the division. And yet a lot a lot of people, in my, including myself, kind of feeling like no chance. <laughs> Go, right. you know. So it's pretty crazy. Um, all right. So my next number is 50%. Um, this is building off a little bit of, of my first number. Uh, 50% is a third down conversion rate. They were eight for 16 this week. Uh, that compares to previous rate, uh, rates uh, before week 13 of 40.7%. Um, and this is all despite averaging the yards to go on third down of eight of eight. 8.875 compared to the hmm. previous average of 7.17. So they, in fact, had no third down with less than four yards to go. So going eight for 16 is remarkable when they had over 8.8 yards to go. You know, a lot of that with that less than two yards runs on first downs. So, you know, yeah. that that's impressive. Very, that kept them in the game for sure, I think. Yeah, very much the opposite of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were uh, their their overall third downs for the game were five of twelve, but they had a bunch of shorties. In particular, they had four of five were five or less yards on those final three scoring drives. So, it, you know, it it looks like well, the Ravens converted fifty percent of theirs, and the Steelers converted forty one point seven percent of those. But the Ravens defense really did a very good job on high leverage downs, and the Steelers defense really did not do a good job on high leverage downs. And, uh, and that really shows up. How are the Ravens looking out for the year in that category? Cause I know they were terrible in that third and long category before for the season. Has that improved the last few games? Well, third, third overall, third down overall, they were uh, 40%. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't have it split between, um, uh, between how they were long and short, but, uh, but that's not great. I don't think 40%. So. Uh, it's not terrible. All right. Uh, let's move on here. Uh, my next number, uh, we're going to go with 13, 5, and 1. So I gave away a little bit of this, but on the three consecutive scoring drives, the, the, the Steelers ran 13 first down plays. That includes the first play of the drive in each case, plus 10 other first downs they earned. Um, the, the Ravens got the Steelers to third down only five times. Uh, I may have that wrong, by the way, because I think that only comes down to 11 because there's a first down on a touchdown, isn't there? And they had two of those. So it's probably it probably should be 11, five and one here. So anyway, only one of those 11, sorry, one of those five third downs was third and six plus. And that was the third and eight. They did go ahead and stop the Steelers on that one, forced a field goal. Uh, But the rest of them, you know, were, I think, one, two, two, five. And the Steelers converted all four of those. Uh, I think. You know, they got in those positions because they were very successful on first and second down. First down in particular, um, they created six times second and two or less after, on, uh, uh, with their first down play. So if you only go to third down five times and six times you create second and two or less, you can see the Ravens were not getting it done on early downs. They weren't setting themselves up to create lots of third and long situations, which is really what all defenses, not just the Ravens live off of, but, but certainly the Ravens among those. Um, and I think that played into Harbaugh's decision to go for two, because 
if you think about overtime and the two possible cases, and you know, you, you're, you're an actuary, of course, by training, we talk about this a lot, but you know, it's, it's good to look at this kind of decision tree logic in, in terms of the individual cases possible. If the Ravens win the toss, which is obviously the optimal situation, they want to drive the field and score a touchdown, but you've got to put a percentage chance on that of what would you say? They're not, they don't have a four down football opportunity. You know, they were, they had mixed results, although they had scored on the last drive of the night. What would you, 30, what kind of, I don't know. 30. So yeah. fairly reasonable. I mean, they, they know they need the touchdown. So maybe they, they you know, have more fourth down aggressiveness that would go with that. But if 30% is reasonable, you win the half task half the time, that only gives you a 15% towards your total winning probability with that. And I, I, I'm fearful that if they had kicked a field goal, that creates a four down football opportunity for Roethlisberger. They couldn't get to Roethlisberger. So it's just a matter of could he complete – you know, two passes out of four downs or oftentimes one pass out of four downs to continue moving the, the football. And with today's offensive efficiency and, you know, what the Steelers present against the Ravens cornerbacks, I can see exactly why Harbaugh said, no way in hell are we are we playing another quarter here or another 10 minutes of football. We, we got to end this right now. And I, I really like the decision. I, I, I don't think having the better kicker, quote unquote, was nearly the kind of difference that the looking at the individual cases of if they got the ball first or if the ball they got the ball second, what might have occurred in that game. Yeah, especially once you throw in that Marlon was hurt at that point yeah. and he just found that out. So you you compound that on those results that you were just seeing and it's it's gonna get worse considerably. So um, you know, I, I I totally agree with the call to go for it, you know. Um Were you upset at the time? No, I was mm-hmm. I was extra nervous, but I was mm-hmm. no. I I think even all things considered, it's got to be pretty darn close to even anyway. Fifty fifty on the play mm-hmm. versus you go into overtime as fifty fifty. So um, I, I didn't think anything going into it made me more confident that a longer game was beneficial to us. So all right. So one of the things I've heard from other people, and Jerry Coleman was among the people who said this to me when I was guest on his show, was that the Ravens have only converted three out of ten two-point conversions during the Lamar era and two out of six this year. So maybe 30% is the right number. And I think I think we have a sample size problem with either six or ten being the denominator in those two cases. Um, and I'm with you that that you could use credibility theory to say, hey, the Ravens 30 or 33%, whichever number you want to use, is some portion of the credibility and then you, you use the league average for the remainder of it, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing where maybe it's 70, 30 in terms of the credibility you assign 30 to the Ravens number and 70 right. to league average. And I, I think, I think then you get to a more reasonable number, but I, I, I didn't buy the sample size. I just think that based on the circumstances and overtime that they probably only needed a percentage in the low forties for me to think this was the right move. Yep. Yep. That makes sense to me. All right, my third number is uh, 31.7%. This, again, has to do with some third downs. Uh, 31.7 is the percent of third downs that the Ravens have been with 10-plus yards to go. This is the third uh, third worst, third highest number in the NFL in 2021 behind only Minnesota and Arizona. The NFL average is 27.1%. In Week 13, uh the Ravens uh, had 50% of their third downs be for 10 plus yards to go. So that's remarkable. You know, that leads to the 8.875 number that mm-hmm. we heard earlier. 
Uh, Ravens have had four weeks with 50% of third downs with 10 plus yards to go. So that's, you know, including week 13. So that's insane that 50% of them, there's only been eight games this year so far that teams have had higher than 50% uh, with these 10 plus third downs. So it's uh, pretty remarkable that the Ravens have put them in such negative spots so often on third down between, you know, all those negative plays early. It's just put them in really rough spots. Yeah, so this is more of the indictment of the running game that I was kind of expecting on the expected points per mm-hmm. play and, and, you know, the expected yards numbers backing that up. So just just to make sure I understand this. So the percentage of third downs that have been 10 plus for the season for the Ravens is do you, do you have that number? Oh, is that the 30, 30% number? Did you say 31? Yeah, that's the, that's the okay. 31.7. Yep. That's okay. the, so, for the season. So Minnesota and Arizona, Arizona, who is a good team, has still had a lot of uh, third and long situations as well. Yeah, both of those have been, both of those are, are I would say, pretty heavy pass. Eh, Minnesota's not so heavy pass, but Arizona for sure is heavy pass. So they probably get the first down early or, or, or get sacked. So, you know, mm-hmm. overall, as a percent of, of series, they probably have a really low percentage uh, that get to this scenario. But mm-hmm. um, but the Ravens, who aren't nearly as pass heavy, it's extra um, detrimental that their third downs are, um, are, are so often 10 plus yards. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very interesting numbers. I think there's some second down efficiency questions which come with that, but I think they have to wait for another day. Uh, I'll go with my third number here, which is, let's go with 2011. 2011 is the last time the Ravens allowed seven sacks in a game. And I'll give people a lot of credit if they remember this one. This one I remember in real time, but they went to San Diego, a game they really should have won that would have helped them put away the division a little earlier than otherwise they did. Um, But Antoine Barnes sacked Joe Flacco four times in that game uh, among seven that San Diego had. Uh, you know, there's multiple reasons for the high sack totals in, in, in recent weeks. Uh, I think, you know, we mentioned before the need to focus on hot read mechanics, on play design. And I think the other thing is is really a lot of what Lamar does. It's the, When I talk about mechanics, I literally mean where his feet are, where his arms are relative in position so he can deliver the football quickly when it needs to go out hot. But they also need to not be running – uh, anything that goes through the mesh when the other team is at the line of scrimmage like that. They need to be able to check out of that quickly and and, and do some of that scheme component. The third thing is um, Lamar has to read better. He has to be able to read that defense, be able to check at the line, but even if he's not going to change the play, know who the hot read is. And it's interesting that it's not just Lamar. The hot read himself needs to be ready to catch that football. He needs to understand, hey, the slot corner's going. He's my guy. I'm running a slant now instead of a you know a nine or whatever. Uh, it's it, it's going to be a major focus this offseason, and I hope it's something that Lamar can take to his own quarterback guru and say, hey, help me with this, and and let's see if we can improve. Because he has that work ethic that he's improved tremendously in multiple areas from season to season. Yep, it's definitely been uh, been rough to watch, you know, with uh, you know him kind of taking on so much. I think he's run into a couple of the sacks, even, even when it hasn't necessarily been on the O-line, so... Um, all right. My, uh, my next set of numbers is 1.07% and 2.69%. 
a 1.07% is the percent of opponent dropbacks resulting in an interception. Uh, so only just over 1% of opponent throws have the Ravens picked off the ball. That's third worst in the NFL. 2.69% is the percent of dropbacks for the Ravens resulting in an interception. That's eighth highest in the NFL. The NFL average is 2.16%. Uh, you know, just over the last couple of weeks, we've seen a number of drops or almost interceptions, mm-hmm. tips, interceptions that were nullified because of penalties. Just with all of the things going on right now, the Ravens really need big swing plays, you know, the big game changing yeah. plays like interceptions to be on, on their side and not going the other way. The, the, the turnover differential is unreal right now. And, uh, you know, it needs to swing if the Ravens are going to have any chance over the next five weeks. Yeah. That's, those are great numbers are two and a half times as likely to be intercepted on a per pass basis as they are to, to get, generate one themselves. And, yeah. um, that's obviously very frustrating. I, I you know, this is interesting because when I was doing a lot of work on the Ed Reed relative to era interception numbers, one of the things that came up was the game has changed so dramatically in terms of uh, the percentage of interceptions that occur. And, and I think in some ways, quarterbacks views of interceptions. So in the early in the early 50s, um, who Nitrine Lane had 14 interceptions in 12 games uh, in his rookie season in 1952. But the overall interception rate for the league was in the neighborhood. It might have been 7.4, 7.7. It was right in that rate. And you look at, at, at interception rates today, and we've got a lot of 100 passer rating people or people that are close to that. The interception rate is under 2% for, for the whole league, I believe. Um, it's just still, no, NFL average is 2.16%. <laughs> yeah, but right around that for, you know, yeah. for, for this. So. Yeah. Anyway, three and a half times as many interceptions then. And I think a lot of it was they would throw a lot of long third down passes to try and either get a long completion or be willing to punt in that situation effectively. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm moving ahead. Uh, I think, is this my last number? I think it is. 1991. That's the last time uh, a team has played the same opponent in consecutive games during the regular season. That was the Chargers and Seahawks that year. Um, it was scheduled to happen, interestingly enough, last year between the Dolphins and Jets, but the pandemic caused schedule shifts, which uh, made that not happen. So it's it, it, they actually did it to someone else last year. But it happened, hasn't happened to the Browns since 1957. And the Ravens this year, not only did they get a game against the Browns, for a second straight time with the Browns coming off a bye after the Ravens played a very physical game in Pittsburgh, but the Ravens are also facing two teams coming off the bye this year. They just pretty much jammed a red hot poker up the Ravens collective rear ends in terms of scheduling this year. And and they need to fix this. It does not take a set theory wizard to understand that you can easily have buys that occur in division a, a week previous to in-division games that follow a bye, and then everybody can can play exactly one team coming off a bye. I don't know why they haven't instituted that. It makes absolutely no sense. It can work with London games. It can work with all sorts of things. You just have to institute that that specific rule. Right. You don't have to. You don't have to make rules about every order. That way, you can still yeah. have fun about the release. You just have yeah. one you know, one combined pair of events mm-hmm. and uh, everything else. There's tons of other events that can change. It, it makes no sense. And uh, 
It, I mean, it, they, they've gotten to the point where they understand a divisional game in week 18 is good for competitive purposes. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you do this? Why why ever load up teams like, like, it seems to be the teams in the East a lot. The Giants have gotten three in a year. The Ravens got three in 2000, very famously. Uh, just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it, it's pretty wild for sure. Uh, l- luckily, it doesn't seem that the Browns are in that great a position coming off of the bye with injuries. Uh, they COVID. They ain't right. So, you know, they've actually aren't healthier than, than they were necessarily going into it. So, um, you know, so I guess that's that's one thing we can take out of it. But um, all right. My next number is looking ahead as well. Eleven percent. That's the success rate. This time using yards gained instead of uh, expected points. Um for for Cleveland in week 12 matchup when they were in 11 personnel. So when they were in 11 personnel, uh, they were successful based on a yards gained approach 11% of the time. Uh, they were only in 11 personnel uh, 31.6% of the snaps in week 12. But like we just mentioned, due to injuries and COVID, they're likely going to have to be in 11 personnel a lot more in week 14. Uh, Joku is... Uh, possibly out with COVID and then Harrison Bryant with injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, with the loss of Marlin and, uh, and you know, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, both the Ravens and the Browns perform when the Browns are in 11 personnel. Um, it, it's really, I think going to be key, which, uh, which side is, uh, is able to win this matchup. Right. I, I agree. Um, there is some situational loading, that goes into that 11% number. I, I made the point that um, the Browns almost ran every single time. Sorry, let me be, be clear about it. Almost every single one of their runs was using 12 and 13 personnel. They were you know, horribly unsuccessful um, at that. Where they were successful is passing from 11 and 12, sorry, 12 and 13 personnel on, on first uh, and second down against the base defense. Mm-hmm. So they had they, they threw for 9.9 yards per play. That's the one, one breakdown that looked good about the Browns in this last weekend. So a lot of this 11% no, number is coming on third down where the Ravens had their dime defense in and the Ravens held the Browns to 12 yards on 16 plays on those. So I, I, and the other thing about the success rate here, because you're going by yards, it's requiring the team to gain 100% of the yards on third down, right? Correct on third down. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. So a lot of these specifically would have been third downs, and if it was third and eleven or third and eight or third and nine, uh, you know they didn't they didn't obviously convert too many of those. Yep. Yeah. All right. Outstanding stuff. Did you have one more number, or, or is that it? I have one more number, and you've also got the the betting one. Oh yeah. Okay. So I guess I got to go to the betting one here first. Sorry about that. Uh, okay. My numbers are one point seven three. Six, eight, and seventeen. So I looked at this today on Odds Checker at one forty-five p.m. I expect this to be corrected by now. Okay, but if if uh, the amount that those numbers, the one point seven three, six, eight, and seventeen, are the amount that is returned on a one dollar bet, including your original bet, um, for for each team to win the division. So if you if you bet the Ravens, your dollar gets you a dollar seventy-three on January tenth if they if they win. If you bet the Bengals. Your dollar gets you six bucks, so you win five. If you bet the Browns, it gets you eight bucks. And if you bet the Steelers, it gets you 17 bucks. 
if I put those all into a spreadsheet and, and do my arbitrage formulation, I see that um, the total win probability implied to those four numbers is only 92.9%. So if you distribute your bets appropriately, you can bet 92,900 on those four teams and get a guaranteed return of 100,000 on January 10th. That's a 7.6% return on your money in one month. Now, these are foreign books. I'm not going to say there's no risk <laughs> involved in going in, in betting for it or that, that somebody wouldn't pick up on what you're doing uh, uh, to do this. Uh, in, in looking at it a little closely, it looks like one particular book has a messed up line on Cincinnati. Uh, but I've talked to, to gambling people and what they'll often tell me, particularly with regard to sports betting, is a lot of their expected of their win probability, a lot of their expected win in a, in a whole year comes from technical errors from the book as opposed to their own good selection of games. So the, 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 you know, beating even a four cent line is difficult. Beating a 10 cent line is very difficult in terms of, of, uh, you know, 11 to make 10 in football, you have to win 52.38% just to, just to stay even. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to do that. And then when they find errors in somebody else's line, that's where they really make, can make a lot of money in a hurry. So I just thought that was interesting. And, and uh, at the heart of this, though, is the fact that there really are tremendously different opinions by book, maybe by betting population as well, in, in who's going to win the AFC North. Nobody wants it. Uh, nobody's looking like they can claim it. Everybody's got a very difficult schedule the rest of the way. And somebody's going to win the thing. Yeah, that everyone's got a ridiculously hard schedule and no one's like you said no one's looking without flaws it's uh it's it's gonna go down to the wire i think so it'll be exciting if nothing else so um all right with that that comes to my last numbers too uh 22 percent 23 percent 26 percent and 28 percent this is based on espn's fpi playoff probability leverage on this week's games of AFC North. So this mm-hmm. is the cha- difference between the playoff probability with a loss and with a win for each of the four teams. So you can see that just like we were talking about every week between now and the end is going to be exciting for the North. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is, that's ridiculous that all, all four teams have at least 20% uh, playoff probability leverage on the line. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's going to, it's, each week is going to be exciting for sure. So, in a typical year, you'd have a team at the top who almost has sealed zero. Yeah. Yeah, and, they, and they have zero <laughs> leverage in the belt. And then you have a team at the bottom who's one in 10, and they have zero leverage. Mm-hmm. And then you have a couple in the middle who are maybe on the fringe of the playoffs. But to have four teams that are that are, that are between 22 and 28, that's that's incredibly, yep. incredibly high. <laughs> yep. Definitely a unique unique situation for sure all right dan a pleasure a little longer episode i hope you folks are okay with that and uh uh we're uh, i'm happy always anyway to get a few extra minutes to talk to dan about numbers and uh thanks for letting me vent about some of this because i feel better <laughs> just having this conversation absolutely we're ready for next we're ready for this weekend and uh look, looking forward to it tell folks where they can talk football with you dan uh reach out to me on twitter dp reese uh then the number eight uh just uh reach out talk talk football talk numbers whatever I'm at Film Study Ravens on Twitter. You probably know that by now. If you have an idea for a 25 years episode, go ahead and hit me up with that. Uh, single idea. You don't have to develop it in any great way, but but we'll, we'll talk about it, develop the idea. And I'll tell you if it's already really been taken. Uh, narrow topic, 
deep discussion for 20 to 25 minutes. So uh, hopefully we uh, we get some good things. Having great stuff, and I'm deciding that I might not cut this off at the end of the season if people want to continue it. It's it's uh, it really seems to be things that, that people are, are enjoying listening to from the from the number of listens, and uh, we'll continue it if people want to continue doing it. Uh, Dan, thanks again. Uh, as always, the best co-host of the business. <laughs> My pleasure. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.